time now to go to film school. Film study professor Joe Fortunato joins us Fridays at this time. For all his work and research through the years, each week he looks at a specific movie for us in history. And today, in watching Joe do his presentation on this movie at least once, and him and I talking about this, a summertime blockbuster, as you can hear with a theme in the background. From the mid-70s, the iconic movie Jaws is what Joe is looking at this morning. Joe Fortunato, my friend, thank you and welcome to the show. So let's get into it. You have spoken on Jaws for a number of years. You've said on the show one of your all-time favorite movies. Start us off with Jaws from the mid-70s. Well, welcome, Ray, or thank you for having me on. And, uh, uh, yeah, this is a tough one for me because I could speak for hours about Jaws. And <laughs> we'll try and cram some information here into about 10 minutes. Uh, Jaws is, in fact, my favorite movie. Um, it was released on June 20th, 1975, directed, of course, by Steven Spielberg, who was more or less a no-name director at that point. This really put him on the map. It was written by, uh, co-written, I guess I should say, by Carl Gottlieb and Peter Benchley, based on Peter Benchley's best-selling book. It won three Oscars, uh, including uh, Best Sound, Best Editing, and Best Score. It was nominated for Best Picture, but not for Best Director, which was kind of controversial at the time. Uh, it had a $9 million budget, <laughs> allegedly, um, and it ended up grossing $260 million domestically and $470 million worldwide. So it was really uh, the, the first Hollywood blockbuster, summer blockbuster, and it really changed the movie industry because that point forward, studios said, hey, you know what? We can make money in the summer because prior to that, they, they kind of thought that that was a dead period of time. Uh, so, you know, since 1975 and Jaws, we've had the summer blockbuster season, and that still continues to this day. Um, it influenced a generation of filmmakers you know, who are all about my age, like Kevin Smith and Eli Roth. Uh, I actually saw the movie when I was eight years old at the Lynn Theater in Akron, Ohio. Uh, and it changed my life because I, from that point, I, I was old enough at eight years old to understand that this was not real and this was lights on a silver screen. But, you know, when I got home, I didn't want to get in the bathtub. I didn't <laughs> want to go in the pool. Uh, we, I, you know, our, our vacation to Myrtle Beach was in jeopardy. Uh, and, you know, I, I, was, I was hooked, you know, pun intended. You know, Richard Dreyfus was quoted, I, I saw a few years ago, he said, hey, we started with a, a film without a script, without a cast, and without a shark. And, and talk about that aspect, Joe, because they really didn't have a shark, and that's why you don't see it till about 20 minutes in the movie. Yeah, it's almost an hour, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the film, the crew of the film nicknamed the movie Flaws with an F uh, because it was so... Uh, wrought with with peril. In fact, it's one of the legendary stories of a, of a film production, you know, gone bad. Uh, they did have actually three sharks, mechanical sharks. The sharks were named Bruce after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Um, each shark cost about uh, $250,000, and they each had different functions. One would just be pulled through the, through the ocean. The other one was going left to right. The other one right to left. And basically, they didn't work most of the time because they had tested the shark in water back in Hollywood 
but they didn't test it in salt water. Mm. And when they were shooting in salt water on Martha's Vineyard, which is where they shot the film, uh, it sort of sunk to the bottom, and uh, it was problematic. The shark only has about four minutes of screen time because of this, because it didn't work half the time. So Spielberg had to use other techniques like the yellow barrels uh, and the music of John Williams to indicate the danger of the shark. Joe Fortunato with us. We're at film school, film study professor Joe Fortunato talking about Jaws. So we always like to talk about casting for the movie. And you, you, you can roll there from Robert Shaw, Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus. So talk about the casting and how it was put together. From what I read, they didn't even have a full cast when they started filming the movie. Exactly. I mean, you, you already mentioned they didn't have a finished script. They didn't have a working shark. They barely had the cast together just weeks before production started. And there was about to be a Hollywood strike. So they were under pressure to get it started before that strike started. Um, Spielberg went after, uh, for the role of Hooper, Spielberg went after John Boyd, Tim Bottoms, Jeff Bridges, a lot of the young stars of the early 70s. Um, George Lucas suggested Richard Dreyfuss, uh, but Dreyfuss turned it down because he thought, oh, that's going to be hard. I'd rather watch it and make it. Then he saw himself in a film that he did, uh, and he didn't like his performance, and he went back and sort of begged to get the job back. Um, <laughs> for Quint, Lee Marvin and Sterling Hayden were both uh, initial choices for the role of Captain Quint. Um, when they both turned it down, Zanuck and Brown, the producer, suggested Robert Shaw, who they had just worked with on The Sting. And uh, Shaw had some problems with the IRS, and, and because of that, that problem, he only had a certain number of days he could work in the country. So any day he had off of the movie Jaws, they flew him over to Canada, so it wouldn't count against him. And then they flew him back to uh, Martha's Vineyard for the shots. Gene Hackman was actually considered for the role of Chief Brody. Mm. Uh, Charlton Heston actually wanted the role of Brody, but Spielberg didn't want him because he was too heroic, maybe a little bit too old at the time. Uh, they wanted Brody as more of an everyman. Well, Charlton Heston was offended by this, and he vowed never to work with Spielberg again. And Spielberg wanted to use him later uh, for the role of General Stilwell in 1941, and he he turned it down and, and kind of spoke ill of Spielberg. Hmm. With us is Joe Fortunato, again, Joe, film study professor, looking at the movie Jaws. And then so when we look at the movie, there were there were sequels, right? I think there was Jaws 2, 3, and 4, but none of them, Joe, ever lived up to this one and you mentioned i was a teen going to this movie i remember it as the first movie i jumped out of my seat when we said we need a bigger boat <laughs> that shark uh, yeah. came up on the on the back of the boat but summarize it and put it together what jaws of the mid-70s meant to film going forward because you said to a degree it really changed the film industry it did and, and it was such a part of the pop culture um, that it was everywhere in merchandise and toys and T-shirts and stuff. And in fact, so much so that the studios actually started releasing ads saying, hey, it's a movie too. <laughs> Go see the movie. <laughs> uh, don't just buy the T-shirts. It actually uh, it, it kind of reinvented uh, um, release schedules as well because they actually uh, did a lot of TV ads, which wasn't the norm at the time. And... They put it in 400 theaters on its opening weekend, which at the time 
was a massive amount of theaters. Put that in perspective. Today, if you you know are releasing something like the Avengers or some big movie, it goes on four thousand theaters. So it was quite a lot. Um, there's a number of great stories on the production. We probably don't have time to go all of them, but I just want to tell uh, two quick ones here if we have a moment. Yeah. One is how a great white shark in Australia actually saved the life of Hooper. Um, when uh, Spielberg had hired Ron and Valerie Taylor, who were noted uh, uh, oceanographers and, and, and photographers, divers and such, to go shoot live sharks in Australia that they could intercut into the film, because the sharks in Australia were about the biggest in the world, and of course the shark in Jaws is bigger than any shark that had ever been seen. So in order to do that, to, 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 to make up for that, they had a miniature shark cage when Hooper was going into the shark cage. So it was a miniature shark cage with a miniature dummy of Hooper, and actually they even used a little person for some of the shots as well. Anyway, long story short, they got some footage of this real great white shark in Australia getting caught in the miniature cage and tearing it to pieces. The footage was so, fortunately, the, the little person wasn't in the, in the cage, but uh, the footage was so dramatic that Spielberg wanted to use the footage in the film, and in order to do that, he had to save the life of Hooper, who in the book actually died mm. and was killed by the shark. So Hooper escapes the shark and goes to hide at the bottom of the ocean, and they use this footage. Um, another great uh, story is that uh, people might remember the, the tiger shark that they caught. That was the wrong shark, but they didn't know it at the time. But it was hanging on the deck there, and they were taking pictures, and the mayor was all excited and stuff. Well, they don't have sharks that big in Martha's Vineyard, so they had to get a shark from Florida, a tiger shark, a big tiger shark, and FedEx it up to Martha's Vineyard. So they FedEx this giant, you know, tiger shark, and it was starting to smell and decay, and it was just a mess on set. <laughs> Those were two good stories. Joe, my friend, thank you so much. You know what? I have to go and watch the movie this weekend. It's It's got to be a July 4th hit for me. That's for sure. Joe Fortunato, film study professor with this week's edition of our film school presentation. Looking at the movie Jaws, you'll be able to go to WAKR.net and listen to the interview back. Joe, as always, my friend, thank you for the visit. Very timely again. We'll reconnect next Friday. Thanks, Ray. Look forward to it.